what are we using? Is this is this a new? Do we have a new software? No, I I added it last time. That's what you can click here the host. Oh, nice. Uh, hello, everyone. Welcome to a very special new kind of episode from Not Your Father's Movies. I'm Vito. I'm Mike. I'm Dan. And I'm Jesse. And we are the Dad Fathers coming at you with some new energy with a new episode covering yes. some cast and crew and nostalgia for some Spielbergs. Yes. Okay. So just to break down the new approach, to break down the new approach, everyone, we are going to record one mega episode every month for you. And we're going to break it up into three discrete parts that will make sense to you. All right. So we're going to pick as, as we've been doing, we've kind of been moving in these sorts of new kinds of series based around ideas, based around actors, based around directors. We're going to kind of keep with that same flow, always allowing for the exception of birthday episodes. But in that, we're going to take our whole series, record one mega episode about it, and break that episode up into episodes for all of you to listen to. That'll make sense because we're going to break them into episodes one through three. Episode one, which we're doing right now, is going to be about our cast and crew for the three films that we've selected. And it's going to be about some of our nostalgia first impressions about them. Episode two will be about our favorite scenes and our likes and dislikes about all three movies. Episode three will be the when slash will we show this to our kids as well as general discussion about these movies. All And that will end with our discussion of is this a dad series? All right, everyone on board? I'm on board. I'm on board. I'm here. Choo-choo! There's Jaws in the water. Because (laughs) we are doing Spielberg. Spielberg for this one. And this has been curated by Jesse. Jesse, tell us about this series. Uh, Well, first off, we're we're doing Spielberg because he's a huge director. So obviously we need to do him at some point. He's one of the only directors I know who's like pretty critically acclaimed and also super wild wildly popular like everybody outside of movies knows who steven spielberg is his name is synonymous with directing in hollywood as a whole sorry that was i thought i thought <laughs> mike was gaping at me for a second as if i was saying something incredible then i realized it's just a yawn <laughs> um so yeah we're, we're doing spielberg and we had a really tough time coming up with these three movies because spielberg's library of movies is wildly different from movie to movie so we chose three movies spanning the decades of his career jaws jurassic park and the bfg the 70s the 90s the aughts well like the the tens right the tens yeah yeah the tens. Mm-hmm. every so get, 20 years so we get a nice sampling and of course we picked those three because we wanted to have kind of a connective tissue of creatures Creature features. Yeah, which he's very well known for. You know, he's done aliens, he's done monsters, he's done all kinds of stuff. We really didn't want to do War Horse from the 2010s. No, we we didn't. I guess you guys didn't. War Horse is a beautiful movie. It made my mother cry. Yeah, it made my mom cry too. It didn't mean anything. It made me cry because it was so horrible. (laughs) I cried at my mother crying. (laughs) I thought it was fine. I don't hate it, but it's like, I'm not sure if I ever want to talk about it. And instead we chose the BFG because none of us had ever seen it. So we're like, all right, let's, let's see what this... Holds except for Dan. Dan, you except for Dan, except for Dan, who had, who had previous knowledge. I think it's like a World War One movie yes. about a horse that was in the war. Yes. Oh, it's about a war horse. Wow. Yeah. Oh. A literal wonderful, war horse. Wonderful summary. It's like Black Beauty, but <laughs> with war. Yeah, and it's a basically lot of Black Beauty yeah. and war. And but the the horse is is I would argue maybe a little too preternaturally intelligent hmm. for its own good. Well, isn't isn't that the way horses are? I think that that yes. horse people would say that. Yeah, <laughs> he's more than a war horse. He's a he's a horse. friend horse. Mm. Uh, the war horses were the friends we made along the way. All along, along the way, that's who yeah. they were. Oh, whatever, whatever the phrase. Um, at some point, we will probably eventually do war horse. Uh, I I would nominate it in the worst of Spielberg's catalog. <laughs> we'll do it in the worst mm-hmm. of episode. That's what I'm going to say. Uh, but the three we're doing: Jaws, Jurassic Park. And uh, the BFG, we're going to kind of just go through cast and crew for all three of them. Um, You know, just be leisurely about it. So, uh, I don't know. Beginning of Spielberg is Jaws, right? mm -hmm. Well, he had the Sugarland Express right before that, which kind of bombed. But then he did Jaws, I think, 
a year later or two years later. It was a notoriously hard thing to film, but that's catapulted Steven Spielberg into the, you know, as a household name. Everybody knew him, knew who he was because of Jaws. Um, after this, he could basically do not whatever he wanted, but pretty close. And then he established himself pretty firmly after that. Yeah. Um, do you guys want to talk about Steven Spielberg in general? Or do you want to talk about Steven Spielberg at each individual movie? I'd like to just kind of talk just a little bit about who he was here. So um, he before this, he made a really fantastic TV movie called Duel um, about a, a kind of demonic semi-truck that is pursuing someone. Um, it's pretty fantastic. That's awesome. Uh, mm. I really like that movie. And Sugarland Express is a really cool, um, fun kind of cops chase movie. Um, I haven't seen it since I was since I was quite young. Uh, so he, he was a, he was a promising director, you know, like oh he's, this kid's got some juice. He's doing some new stuff. Mm-hmm. The camera around a ton. Uh, but Jaws is so interesting because it, it immediately establishes so much of what we know from Spielberg. The the kind of subtle but very impressive bravura camera work. Like for example, the, the spoiler for a future segment, but the scene when they get on the, on the ferry and have the conversation, mm-hmm. that's a really impressive thing to do. You know, they in one shot, they pull a car into a ferry, go across the water while they have this very intense plot, heavy exposition dump. And then they leave the ferry. And it, it's kind of impressive because of how low key it is, but it must have been very difficult to do. And it's, you didn't have to do it that way. You, did, you could yeah shot it any other way. He's like, no, we're going to do it on the ferry in real time. Yeah. Yeah. That is the production of most of Jaws. It didn't have to be done that way, but Steven Spielberg pushed for it to be done that way. For example, they didn't have to film on the Atlantic Ocean, but he forced everybody to film on the <laughs> Atlantic Ocean. Which I really Which appreciate, made- right? Because it looks so different from the Pacific. Yeah, and he and he did it because he said there's no way the audience is going to buy a set, a set of a boat with a fake background. No one's going to buy it. The ocean doesn't operate like that. You got to feel like it's the ocean right now, and it does. You feel isolated, alone, and uh, yeah, he pulled that off masterfully. Even if it took him three times longer than it should have with the budget that went over by like twice as much. <laughs> I like that he does this, and it's really hard. And then he does not have another ocean set movie that relies upon us seeing the ship in the waters at all times (laughs) you know like he's got other scenes Mm -hmm. and like Amistad you know does take place in part on a boat but it's saving private Ryan saving private Ryan there's some boat stuff Mm -hmm. but that's boats coming on to the beach (laughs) you know he's like we're going to land (laughs) yeah apparently like uh, filming was apparently just a nightmare the weather was awful and sailing boats would just come in out of nowhere and you couldn't stop them, and it would take minutes for them to pass by, and sometimes they would see another one coming, and they're like, all right, we have seven minutes to film a scene. I can make no artistic decisions about this. We're just going to (laughs) go. Shoot it. Shoot it now. It didn't actually occur to me until you guys are now discussing it that they could have just shot this in the Pacific, like near Hollywood, right? That would have been, I imagine, much cheaper to do. Oh, hell yeah. They could have just called it the Atlantic and done it, you know, on the, the West coast. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, yeah, that's really cool that he kind of had that ambition and that the kind of, you know, even though this was his first big movie, he must've had enough respect and enough mm-hmm. you know budget to actually do something like this. Yeah. Well, there, there was another practical reason to have it all on the East coast as well. Cause they wanted to film at Martha's Vineyard for the, the small town vibe, but then also they had made all the sharks over there. Uh, like there are many mechanical sharks oh, really really? Move, and they invented them for the movie. And since they were out there and they couldn't really move these things around very well, they, they just wanted to stick with that location. Cause that was where, and they planned on filming more shark attacks in the water on the coast of Martha's vineyard, but the shark never worked. So they, they kind of scrapped that. <laughs> Bruce, Bruce, the, the shark, second right? Second part of the movie. Bruce, that's yeah. Right. Bruce, the yeah. shark, which was named after his lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> Man's got jokes. Man's got jokes. <laughs> that's beautiful. It's not named after the finding Nemo shark. <laughs> yeah. I never I knew my Nemo father. Sh- yeah. <laughs> Name's Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, obviously a very clever homage to Jaws, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But Jaws specifically uh, written, uh, who wrote this, Jesse? Oh, let's see. Um, 
One second. It was written by Peter Benchley. He was the author of the book, and so they brought him on for the screenplay. It seems like most, however, for the screenplay, most of it was written the day before uh, by Spielberg and uh, Carl Gottlieb. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, So, like, Peter Benchley, because of his book, it was, like, a a hot book at the time. They were like, oh, this is everybody's reading this on the beaches. we got to make a movie about it now. And uh, so they took that idea from him and made it into a script. Uh, You can actually see Peter Benchley in the movie. He plays the role of the interviewer. So he shows up uh, in this and in the the Jaws sequels. (laughs) I see. Um, Nice. Uh, Carl Gottlieb also shows up. He is, uh, he plays uh, Meadows. Meadows. Who's um, Meadows? Which one's Meadows? Meadows. Uh, dang it, which one was Meadows? I wrote it down, but he's Meadows. Oh, good. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah, Meadows. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Why didn't he just say so? <laughs> he's just Meadows, guys. Um, I, I can't remember who he is. He shows up every now and then, uh, but he's also in Jaws 2, Jaws 3D. Um, and also helped write those. He also write, wrote some Smothers Brothers comedy shows, which shout out to my brother Austin, who was also a pre- previous guest on the show. He used to love the Smothers Brothers. And he wrote The Jerk, uh, starring Steve Martin. It's a pretty funny movie. It's a pretty funny movie. Yeah. So uh, white guy, yeah, it's pretty good. white guy who thinks he's black. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and and also like shout out to Jaws 3D, I think starring Michael Caine, I think is really? what Jaws 3D is. Yeah. I, I, I yeah, haven't tracked this uh, this franchise very well, to be quite honest. Yeah, I've <laughs> never seen Jaws 3D or Jaws 2. I've yeah. only stuck with the Jaws. Yeah, I, um, I, yeah. I, yeah. Uh, it, but it seems like most people that were in Jaws keep on showing up in the sequels. Like, they kind of made this their career. Uh, Roy Scheider included, who stars in this one. Um, he's also in Jaws 2. He does not come back for Jaws 3. He has some self-respect. Him. Some. Fire. He's a little bit, uh, but you know, we've, we've talked about him before and all that jazz. Yeah! He's in there. One of my favorite movies yeah. of all time. And, uh, yeah, he's fantastic in that one. Honestly, I didn't even recognize him. Yeah. It's, it's, he's the way he can separate characters. Is pretty amazing. Um, he's also in the French connection, marathon man, blue thunder, the rainmaker. And he plays, um, he's in a superhero movie, the Punisher, the Dolph Lundgren so even, one. Even, uh, sorry, who? The Dolph Lundgren Punisher, not the Thomas Jane Punisher, right? The 2004 Punisher. Oh, shit, the uh, Thomas Jane plays, Punisher? Really? Mm-hmm. He plays Frank Castle's dad. Oh, shit. Whoa. Okay, so he's not in it very much. Okay. No, but he makes an appearance. Like, anytime someone shows up in a superhero movie, I feel like he got a shout it out. Like, yeah, look what they did to him. Oh, man, I'm, I'm, look, I'm looking at some <laughs> screen caps of him. He is old. I mean, I, I, I obviously expect that, but it's, it's sad seeing... Joe Gideon actually this old. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think he I think he passed away like four or five years after that. Yeah, yeah, he was not um, long. I really want to see Blue Thunder. That's been on my watch list for forever. But Rainmaker, Marathon Man, and French Connection, he is very good in. And those are all really fun mm-hmm. movies. With um I've never seen Blue Thunder either. I watched the trailer for it. Yeah. It looks really cool. It looks awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um all right, next up here we got Robert Shaw. Yeah, who was a notorious asshole on set <laughs> and such um, an alcoholic, such yeah. an alcoholic. Oh my yeah, goodness. Yes, he's he's also part of what caused filming chaos. Mm. Um, he'd be too drunk to do scenes or just harassing people on set. It it was pretty bad. But we've talked about him before on A Man for All Seasons. Um, he's also in The Sting and from Russia with Love. I don't think we need to talk too much about Robert Shaw. Um, we also have Richard Dreyfus. First I'm time in sure the show. Yeah, first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he previously, uh, before this movie, was in American Graffiti, and then he collaborates with Spielberg again in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. It's very good. He shows up in James and the Giant Peach as the centipede. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so apparently he's <laughs> so apparently he's around, and I and I didn't know that. Uh, he's also in my childhood in What About Bob? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which is a staple for me. He is, he's so good uh, at rage. Yeah. Just just pure <laughs> rage. The anger that but he Im- can But impotent rage. Yeah. Rage. Yeah. Impotent rage. And also, like, he, he's got some good quips. 
Yeah. I think this movie establishes him as like the guy who could come out with the smart Alec quips that are still pretty rage filled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right, let's see. Oh, Lauren. All right. So I guess I think oh. her name is Lauren. Sorry. I have to shout out Richard Dreyfus. Sure. Uh, also another favorite movie of mine as a kid. We watched uh, Mr. Hans Opus. Uh, my my parents love this movie, and I grew to love it. It's it's a really fantastic movie um, about the kind of the changing of the times uh, in the sixties, seventies, eighties. He's a he's a music teacher throughout those decades, and it's it's an awesome movie about like the cultural and political changes during those decades. Okay, um, highly recommend that. It's really beautiful. It's one of those movies where at the end of it, you feel like you've lived an entire life. Like you feel like you've been with him from, you know, beginning of his entire life to the end. And it's, it's just really beautiful. I, I, I remember always being pushed to watch this in middle school and high school. And I think that I just hated the title just so, so much. And I know that's a really shallow reason to not watch a movie, um, but it is on the watch list. I do want to see it. I just, it, there's just something about that title that just really bugs me. I think I think it's just it's three weird words pushed together that make no sense unless you've seen the movie. It's um that's really that's exactly the same as, as me. Like <laughs> just, exactly the same. It makes me think of Mr. Popper's Penguins. Ah uh, yes, I don't, yes. Like I saw that and it was great when I was five or whatever it was. But yeah. I don't really want to see Mr. Popper's Penguins again. Yeah, or or Mr. Holland's <laughs> Opus. I mean, what what are these opuses running around? <laughs> But no, point well taken, Dan. I, I know it's a great movie, and in that for that reason, I would love, I would love to watch it. I also, I would like to watch we it a do little a Richard bit Richard Dreyfus series. That would be great. No. That would be. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be wild. I like that. Do Close Encounters. What about Bob and Mr. Holland's? Opus I mean, that's a that's a clean three. That's a yeah. clean three because Close Encounters of the Third Kind is pretty pretty fucking. That's a pretty special movie. I've still never seen that. It's uh, but, it, it's it lays all the groundwork for a rival to be successful. Mm. That's pretty cool. Um, sorry, continue. Um, so uh, we also have uh, Lorraine Gary, who doesn't really do much. She's in Jaws as her first movie, um, and she's in the Jaws series continuously, and then she just retires. And she also has like some other movies in there, like Car Wash or Never Promised You a Rose Garden. Oh. Kind of coming up in the seventies and and eighties, but like, then she's done. Um, God, gotta respect. Up, gotta respect dipping when you're on top. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Just go. Just or well, she didn't. She didn't leave when she was on top. She the last movie she was in was Jaws: The Revenge. Ah. Hey, it made money. It made money. <laughs> I'm sure she made some nice money, and and then that was it. You know, good for her. Good for her for just pulling out. She got a good, a nice golden um, toilet out of it. <laughs> uh, another guy uh, who was in there and was never to be seen again was Chris Rebello. He's a little kid. Yeah, I was thinking about just, him a little bit. It just kind of blows my mind that there are child actors who are like, who, like he has a prominent role. Like you definitely see his face. He's got lines. He's good. You think like, oh, this kid has potential he can go somewhere and he never does this was it my immediate thought was like oh who is he now like what did he do um anytime you see a kid actor from an old movie you're like he was really good like he must have done something after this so i agree it is it is strange and out of the ordinary i was expecting to see like oh he's actually this actor that i love and have always loved and had no idea he was in (laughs) shots yeah (laughs) that's usually the way it goes Yeah, we'll actually see one of those yeah. one of those kids in uh, in our next movie when we go down the casting crew of that mm-hmm. one. Um, oh, all right. Um, also, I found this out. We have a uh, Ted Grossman. He's just the guy that gets eaten on the boat. Yeah, so, Are you guys okay over there? And then he gets bitten. <laughs> He's in like most of Spielberg's movies as like a guy off in the background. He's just a buddy. <laughs> like, <laughs> I I don't know why. I, it's like Steven Spielberg just kept saying like yes. You, the guy that got eaten, I want to keep taking you to my movies. <laughs> good, good, um, <laughs> good. Yeah, maybe it's maybe cool. He's, maybe it's... he's a friend and he like lost a bet. <laughs> it's like from now on, you have to die in every movie. <laughs> well, it, kind of, it, it kind of reminds me of like some of our other great collaborations, like like Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell, right? Like every Sam Raimi movie, Bruce mm-hmm. Campbell shows up for like a little cameo, or like uh, 
what's his face? Um, Ryan, uh, um, Knives Out guy, Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson yeah. has his, mm-hmm. his like childhood friend that shows up in every single movie. He played the detective that was kind of awestruck by everyone in Knives Out. Yeah. He's, he's Kid mm-hmm. Blue and Looper. Like he always, yeah. he's always there and they're just best buds. And it's like, hey, best bud, what, what role do you have for me in your new Hollywood film? <laughs> <laughs> and like, that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, let's face it. We would all do that. Like, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. We all we all yeah. shook hands on it at least. Everybody's <laughs> got to have a Ted Grossman in their movie. I think. Also, what a good name, Ted Grossman. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it's a good name. It's a good name. Yeah, bring Ted in for the movie. Ted, Ted, who? Ted Grossman. Oh, oh Ted! Ted! <laughs> He's our favorite guy. He probably is. He's probably great. He probably like brings a six pack whenever he comes. Oh, yeah. He's like, oh, hey, here you go. Yeah. I'm sure he loves it. Yeah. Uh, last person. Well, actually, I have two more people I want to shout out. Like, uh, there's Bill Butler. He's a cameraman. He does a ton of work for Jaws. He invented a box to film underwater in oh, or wow. like halfway in the water in. Um, he somehow made filming on the ocean with Steven Spielberg work. And he's the guy who really like engineers this all. Um, so he's yeah, amazing. this movie exists because of this guy basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he's worked with, with Francis Ford Coppola on the Godfather and the conversation is second unit photography. So he, he's mm-hmm. familiar. He, he, uh, Oh, he was nominated for an Academy award for best cinematography for one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Uh, it's a beautiful wow. movie. It's a gorgeously shot movie. Yeah. He's done Rocky two, Rocky three, Rocky four, other things that are not rocky as well. <laughs> uh, no, he's he's seen he's done a lot of movies that we've seen. Anaconda, Flipper, Beethoven, mm-hmm. Hot Shots, and American Tale. Um, yeah, he's he's worked a lot. It looks like he retired after two thousand nine. Well, that what a legendary dude. Yeah, um, those are a lot of big big movies there. Yeah, and again, like with Spielberg for for American Tale, he's also he also did. Uh, uh, he's an animation visual consultant for Secret of Nim. He did Stripes. Uh, he did Grease. Like these are huge movies. Jeez. Yeah, this guy never stops. But then again, if you can invent a camera that can go partway underwater, and you can film on the ocean, when as far as I know, nobody's done that before. Like that's it's pretty great. Yeah. Um, cast that guy in the hardest hardest positions possible. Agreed. Um, uh, lastly. We got to shout him out. I think he's in. He might be in all these movies. John Williams. John Williams. Yeah, he was already an established name at this point, uh, and this is the second collaboration with Spielberg. After is it uh, Sugarland Express? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So prior to Jaws, uh, hang on, I'm just gonna look through his his filmography real quick because I'm just curious because Jaws is like the earliest one that I I remember knowing him from. Um, oh, your Wikipedia page is hard to navigate. Thank you, John Williams. <laughs> it, it is. That's why I didn't write down anything for John Williams. But he did win an Academy Award already. <laughs> of course he did. He's. Only, I think he's nominated for like 50-some Academy Awards, obviously more than anyone else, uh, I think, yeah. in any department. Um. Yeah, all right. I think Jaws really solidifies like the, the relationship that Spielberg is going to have with them over the decades, though. I agree. Let's just say uh, Jaws is the first one, and anything that came prior just didn't matter. <laughs> Even though he won an Academy Award for Listen, it. Listen, any, anyone can win their Academy Award, all right? Um, okay. Well, oh, hold on. Uh, sidebar, then. How many Academy Awards has Steven Spielberg won? Ooh. Four? Th- three? I'm just saying. For, well, are we right, so are we, we saying are we saying only best director or best picture? Period. Just best director. Period. Whatever. Oh, oh for yeah. any movie he's for, done. Yeah. Any. Oh, okay. Then it's a lot more. It's got to be like. Nope. Wait, 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 wait. No, nope. like so, like movies that his actors. Ha- ha- no, that's not the question. Okay. Which which no, no. which has how he many won? does he own? Yes. Yeah. Uh, seven. Vito said four. Dan, I'm gonna say three. Yeah. Dan's right. Damn it. It is three. Yeah. It's. Two for Schindler's List and one for Saving Private Ryan. Yep. Really? Yep. That's it? Yeah. Two, two best directors, one best picture. That's kind of surprising. He's been nominated a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, nominated one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty times. Yeah. Cause he's also nominated yeah. as producer because he's a big producer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
and uh, the first. Okay, wait. I, never mind. I'm just gonna say it as a fun fact. Uh, the first person for, to to win like uh, a best actor award or actress in one of his movies was um, Daniel Day Lewis in Lincoln. That is very. Nobody late. had won. Wait, for, really? Yeah. No one won for yeah. Saving Private Ryan. Who who would have been? Who would have won? I I don't know. I don't know. Not Tom Hanks. Yeah. I'm just surprised. Like, like I'm very are, surprised. If, if, if anyone was Schindler's gonna, List, if anyone was going to win, yeah. it was going to be Schindler's List. Yeah, yeah, Liam Neeson. Yeah, but that's nineteen. That's nineteen ninety four. That was a pretty big year for the Academy Awards. Yeah. So I, I was uh, watching this interview with Steven Spielberg. It was in the late eighties, so before Schindler's List. And um, one of the things the interviewer asked him was about this question of like, how do you feel about making at that point, I think he had made three of the biggest blockbusters of all time. Like, I think it was E.T., Jaws, and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm. And and the, the interviewer was like, how do you feel about making three of the most successful movies and not having an Oscar to show like show for it? Um, uh-huh. And he and the interviewer kind of mentioned, like, you kind of get criticized as not being a serious director, like that you don't make serious movies or movies that are like art or, you know, whatever, like people are, you know, elitist assholes a lot. And, um, but anyways, I, I wanted to kind of ask that. I don't know if this is the time to ask this kind of question, but about Steven Spielberg in general, um, how do we feel about blockbusters and whether those, you know, should be taken more seriously by the Academy Awards? Um, or, or do we want to address this later on in the episode? I'm going to end the sidebar. Very good. <laughs> I, I would actually like, I would like to get to our, our, I think this discussion might be better in this, in the second of these two movies mm. of these three movies. Sorry. Mm. If I can posit that. I mean, I think that uh, Jaws yeah. is a huge blockbuster. Maybe even invents the blockbuster, but Jurassic Park spawned, mm-hmm. um, you know, a billion dollar franchise. Right. Um, hmm. uh, okay. All right. That, that's also a big question to just spring on me like that. I need to think. Yeah. <laughs> let, let, let's address that oh. here, though. When we were talking about Jurassic Park, if 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 I may. Well, we'll circle back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great question. Let's put a pin in it. We'll circle back. Pin in it. And I uh, want more context. We'll sync up. I want more context. And then we'll yeah. throw the grenade back and then it'll <laughs> explode in our faces later. So we right. got Jurassic Park. It's a 1993 science fiction action film directed what's by about? Steven Spielberg. What's, what's it about? It's about... Um, dogs. Oh, okay. cool. I like so, dogs. Uh, <laughs> it's the first movie in now the six-film Jurassic Park uh, series. Um, mm. The sixth one just came out mm-hmm. this year and it's based right. on the 1990 novel of the same name by Michael Crichton. Great screenplay great by, by Crichton himself and then also master writer David Kep, um, who mm. has written so many things that people have seen. Uh, talking about Death Becomes Her, Carlito's Way. We're talking about the first Mission Impossible, uh, Panic mm. Room. The first Spider-Man he has a writing credit on. War of the Worlds. Um, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Um, uh, is that a good one? Well, is that supposed to, Are you saying that he's a good writer because he wrote Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? Because I would fight you about that. Yeah, but you don't have any evidence. You saw it in 2008. It was what are you awful. talking about? It was so bad. It's actually pretty good. I don't know. I don't know. Wow. I, I, I revisited some parts of it and I was kind of like, hey, this is not the dirtbag movie I thought it was. Wow, I, th- uh, I think this functions. Yeah. I think this functions basically. Remember how it all ends with aliens? Yeah, but <laughs> it's Indiana really Jones. Remember, remember how the really first cool movie shit. ended with God melting Nazis? Like, yeah, but that's like. No, cool, but though. this was really lame. Yeah, lame uh, as the person who has seen it most recently, <laughs> it's not as lame as it as I thought it was when I was younger. The gold oh, was man. in our minds all along. It doesn't even try that. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, there's aliens. Get over it. <laughs> Um, but he's he's a really well-known writer, and he's been working up to this day. Like, his last credit is uh, on Kimmy, the Steven Soderbergh um, Zoe oh, Kravitz yeah. movie. Um, so he's he's been working. He's got plenty of misses and also plenty of hits. Uh, but after that, it is shot by Dean Cundey, my, my very beautiful, wonderful Dean Cundey, who also shot The Thing. Oh, Master yes. of Shadows, Dean yeah. Cundey. Love this guy. He's amazing. Um, and it stars... Uh, Sam Neill, Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum, Richard Attenborough, uh, B.D. Wong, Samuel L. Jackson, Wayne Knight, 
and Joseph Mazzello. Joseph Mazzello is the one that I referred to earlier when you're talking about, you know, the, the kid and Jaws only did one movie. Joseph Mazzello, you know, he starred as a kid in a bunch of different things. Like he's in Jurassic Park. He's in Radio Flyer, Jersey Girl, um, The River Wild. And then he kind of takes a break after The Lost World and Star Kid until 2001, where he kind of grows up. He has another break. He, he's been working, but he, he gives some breaks. I, I think you might recognize him as Dustin Moskovitz from The Social Network. Oh, wow. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. Mm. Um, his most recent role is uh, in Bohemian Rhapsody as uh, John Deacon. And he was in The Pacific as well. Yes, yes, as Eugene Sledge for 10 episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's made a nice little career for himself, but it seems like he's he's not really too worried about being the star, you know? Yeah. He just shows up, does good work, goes home. Kind of like in Jurassic Park. I, 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 okay, wait. Sidebar. I think that's a really great kid performance from both of them. Both those kids, I think, are delivering A grade performances. Yeah. What, what do you guys think? Yeah, I was watching it to see, like, like, I, I was wondering, like, I wonder how that was what I was looking for this time around. Like, how are the kids? Like, do they do a good job? Um, and yeah, like they I thought that they were both very believable and like seemed like kids who were in a terrifying situation. Uh, yeah, that bit where, where Timmy gets shocked off yeah. the shock fence. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes <laughs> three. <laughs> this is pretty funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or when 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 the lawyer runs out of the car. And Lexi is like, he left us. He left us. <laughs> oh my gosh! When Lexi is freaking out, I'm freaking out. Like she is a great, great, uh, terror-driven actor. Like, yeah, I, I love the scenes. And then the the Jello, like the zoom in on her face when she's holding the Jello. Yeah, that's for me. That's like that is an such an iconic. That was a tier. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's perfect. That was, mm-hmm. Shaky Jello, eyes wide, almost like tears going down her face. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, Cry more. They're both child. pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, that that uh, I don't think I really had anyone else that I wanted to shout out from that cast list. I mean, obviously John Williams is back doing the that that beautiful wondrous score. Like I remember the first time I saw that in the scene where um, I don't want to, no, I don't want to step in a future segment. I don't want to step, but I love that. That, that score is fantastic. Yeah. It captures the wonder that the characters are experiencing and gives it to me. Yeah. That is wonderful. Yeah. That's really hard to do. Very well said. Can, can I ask, is this our favorite John Williams score? Well, we've asked this before. Second, second favorite for me. What's the first? It was, I think it was Lion King for me, right? That's yeah. Hans Zimmer. That's what I said yeah, that's, last time. That's, that's, that's Hans Zimmer. Oh, that's Zimmer. Hans Zimmer. Yeah. Totally different guy. Damn it. Damn it, me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think. Come okay, on. wait, 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 wait. Everyone, wait. Sidebar. Okay. Number two, two part of question. Number one, favorite John Williams score as a whole for me, that is uh, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Mm, I love that theme. One. I think it's beautiful. That's pretty yeah it's pretty good yeah it's my favorite though so i don't, I don't care what you think i'm just saying my favorite <laughs> no, it, no. It, it definitely goes with the movie definitely captures parts of it but the second part delivers of that, it to you but the second part of that question all right the second question is what's your favorite piece of john williams music and for me that's the opening credits of um catch me if you can that that beautiful jazz that's beautiful i think that's incredible um, it's masterful work. And it's also like, I don't expect John Williams to do jazz. Yeah. That, that's my answer. Uh, 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 someone take the reins. Uh, I'm, uh. I got to look up all of his, all of his movies that he's ever done. He's done a lot. From your gut. I mean, how is uh, Star Wars, man? Doesn't he kind of make Star <laughs> Wars? <what it> is? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. It's hard to get away from Star Wars, that's for sure. And also Jurassic Park. Like, it, both of them are kind of the... They're pretty seminal, I'd Gross. say. Seminal. <laughs> you gotta say it. You gotta say it. I don't think I, I can understand movies without both of those scores. The, the one thing I will say about the Jurassic Park sound uh, score is that it's so beautiful. I've actually listened to it totally like in my car i'll just want to listen to the jurassic park soundtrack um i've never felt that way about star wars even though it's probably more of a feat or more of you know 
more impactful mm. or more, you know, of a, an accomplishment. Um, yeah. I mean, all, I, I was just looking through his filmography. It's like every single movie, I know what the sa- the score is. Like I could hum every single one of them. And that's incredible. Like Indiana Jones. Um, yeah. Catch me if you can. E.T. All of these are just, it's unbelievable that one man can come up with, you know, some of them do sound like you can tell it's John Williams, mm-hmm. but they're also unique enough that you're like, no, this is, this is the E.T. soundtrack. Like it's, 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 it's a thing of its own. Sometimes I've noticed if it's a little bit happier than I would make it, then it's probably John Williams. <laughs> yeah. Like the yeah, theme, the theme for home alone is kind of like menacing. But then once you get past that, it's like, like, all right, come on, come on, come on. Yeah. But there's still some people that need to answer. I haven't got answers from everyone, have I? Oh, I, I don't know. Have so got... I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Jurassic Park is my favorite, just because of the beauty of it. But um, yeah, I, I it might be whatever last movie I watched with his music in it that might be an answer to. <laughs> uh, yeah, Star Wars for me. I mean, like Star Wars, Star Wars mm-hmm. is is it's the music in it is almost like its own package. It doesn't exist. So like Jurassic Park, like you said, Dan, it it can exist outside of Jurassic Park and it's beautiful by itself and stuff. And I think Star Wars could be as well, but it's just so like connected to the movie and it's perfectly done with the movie. I feel like, yeah. Um, did, like did he do fate for that? The duel? It seems really specific. Did, did he do the duel of the fate oh, yeah. soundtrack from the yeah. prequel series? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Then yeah, it's definitely Star Wars for me. Cora Nahama. Cora Nahama. Yeah, it's Cora. Radama. Cora. Radama. It's very good. <laughs> what, I, what I love about the Harry Potter theme specifically is that that it's so delicate. It's the yeah. exact opposite of a lot of the bombast that he's known for. Um, so much so that it not only became like a theme for for Harry Potter, but for a few years it kind of became the theme for Warner Brothers. Yeah. Just that that delicate so magical lead in, and it's it's a little haunting. It's a little reminiscent of the Home Alone, but it's it's a it's a more menacing, less cheery, and it kind of yeah. brings you into that world, and it it, it gives you this introduction. I mean, the Harry Potter movies are very famous for like the you know opening on on cloudy skies, and then a slow zoom mm-hmm. through cloud and snow. That's what it feels like, and I think that that's pretty unique. Yeah, yeah he's in that Harry yeah, Potter thing. He does that amazing thing where he can capture something that's charming, something that's menacing and just an absolute mystery all wrapped into one score. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Sidebar ended. That was a good sidebar. Thank you. Um, all right. Uh, any other people who want to shout out for Jurassic Park? Um, uh, um, uh, Who's that? I, I did not. I did not know until like a month ago that Richard Attenborough is David Attenborough's brother. Ah, and yeah. that's really awesome. Spare no, kids, yeah. <laughs> Spare no expense. I found um, that out today. <laughs> I, I just want to shout, shout out Michael Crichton. Love Michael Crichton. Um, I okay. I is this is this when we can talk about like the book versus the movie at all? Sure. Or should no. we do that later? Uh, no, do that under, under likes dislikes. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, let's yeah. do it then. Stay tuned for episode two. It's a great book. That's it. That's all I say. Well, say more later. Mm. Yeah, I'll say, say more, more later. More to come hey, on that. You, you know what's funny? All three of these movies are based off of books. Yeah, that's another connective tissue. Books. Yeah. Books. Uh, yeah. Did not get a chance to read the BFG. I didn't either. I own it too. So, so moving to our third film, the BFG, also known as Raw Dolls BFG. No, this does not mean the big f- <laughs> giant. It means the big friendly giant. It does oh, also mistake. mean the big. F- <laughs> he's not that big it turns out he's not actually that big. kind of a small kind of a runt <laughs> <laughs> this is directed and co-produced by steven spielberg written by melissa matheson her final film before her death in 2015 oh wow um which is pretty sad but she's known for for uh writing black stallion et twilight zone the movie the indian in the cupboard kundun and ponyo uh oh. she was uh, for ponyo she was a storyline consultant for the english language translation so she's she's very versed in in books and movies about kids or for kids, either one. Mm. Um, yeah, kind of sad to see her go. 
But uh, this was based off the BFG by Roald Dahl, um, writer of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Produced by the usual Steven Spielberg producing team. um, Shot by Steven Spielberg's late-in-life, constant, ever-present cinematographer, Janusz Kaminski, um, who has shot, let's see, Schindler's List. He shot Jerry Maguire, uh, Jurassic Park 2, Amistad, Saving Private Ryan, AI and Official Intelligence, Minority Park, Entry of the Can, The Terminal, or the Worlds, Munich. Like, almost exclusively Spielberg. Um, the last movie he shot was The West Side Story, and he will be shooting The Fablemans that will come out later on this year. Hmm. Yeah, he's kind of he's kind of the guy that's in charge of why what we think of when we think of what Spielberg movies look like visually. He's famous for being a cinematographer, one of the first ones who kept a water truck on set at all times to wet down the streets. He's obsessed oh. with wetting down streets and then shooting film, shooting the film. Interesting. Yeah. He's like wet streets. And everyone says, why would they be wet? He says, why ask? Make them wet. <laughs> Just spray them down. <laughs> it looks better. It does. It really yeah, does. It does look good. So music again, done by John Williams. Um, the BFG stars Mark Rylance, Ruby Barnhill as the little girl, mm-hmm. uh, Penelope Wilton, Jemaine Clement, Rebecca Hall, Rafe Spall, and Bill Hader. Does anybody know what happened to this little girl? Is she still around? She, uh, yeah, I was, she, she's only done this, I think. Um, oh, wait. She has three credits, um, but the last two of which in 2018 are voice credits. I read like a little story about her and her parents said that like, oh, she's, you know, she's going, she's back at school and uh, she's like acting in plays at school. Like, that's it. Good for her. Yeah. Yeah, she is. She is 18 as of this year. Yeah. Yeah. Ruby. That's pretty cool. She was great. We just, did we just have like three sane child actors in a row? Yeah. Yeah. One who, one who pursued acting uh, in a, in a quiet way. Never wanted to be elevated. Mm-hmm. He's, he got to keep working. One who did a one and done, and one who is still acting but isn't seeking the limelight. It's kind of incredible yeah. and unintentional, but on our part, <laughs> yeah. More connective tissue. Maybe it's that Steven Kiel- Spielberg, Kielberg, uh, Steven Kielberg, like he doesn't like mess up his actors. Yeah, when when they act with, I him. would. Yeah, I definitely want to talk about that more later, or at yeah, least I don't talk know, about I don't like know child actors about... in general. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I've never heard anything about how he um, like there's some people where, where you'll hear about like, oh, they made like a really safe environment for the actors to be in and stuff like uh, like with the Harry Potter movies. Mm-hmm. They talk a lot about that. But um, I don't know about Steven Spielberg. Uh, no, he's know, I've heard a lot of stories about that. the way he interacts with his kids actors. I, I yeah, I'm not sure about the kid actors, but I do know, like personally, he's got seven kids. A couple of them are adopted. But like, it seems like he's staying around for them. <laughs> so That's cool. Yeah. yeah, it seems like he he's tried in his life to be a good dad. Yeah, and maybe that translates into filmmaking. It's 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 actually kind of been one of his obsessions as a filmmaker, right? He's obsessed with children um, who are either orphaned or who are distanced from their parents or who are without fathers. Um, it reflects a lot of his early childhood. We'll be seeing a lot of this later on this year when Meet the Fablemans comes out, or the Fablemans comes out, which is. Um, based autobiography, it's it's an autobiographical movie about him growing up oh, really? um, with his mother and father and his his fun uncle, uh, who's played by uh, Seth Rogen. Um, he had a uh, weird childhood where his father left his mother, her, his mother remarried, and it came out much much later in their lives when Steven Spielberg was an adult that his father had stepped out of the way of his mother being in love with another man but then had taken all of the blame as if he had been the one who had left their mother and had allowed all the kids to internalize their anger towards him because he didn't want them poisoned against their mother. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Also, what's weird is Spielberg went off to live with his father and his sisters stayed with his mother. So it was like a completely split family. Yeah. Because that's insane. But now I just realize why. Why they would, why there would be a split. And it, it wasn't told to him until he was he was much older. Um, and his mother and his father are, are good friends now. The kind of the secrets out, and um, yeah, I guess the family's fair, fairly repaired. But in the in the, a lot of these early Spielberg movies, you know, Close Encounters of the Third Kind is about a man who leaves his family in in the search of his obsession. Um, Jaws is about a man who's torn between you know his work and his family. So many of his movies are either about the man that's torn or the child that's witnessing the tearing. 
right? Or the child that's growing up without the father. Um, it's been a lifelong obsession of his. He can't stop. Yeah. <laughs> the BFG is a movie about an orphan. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the BFG, uh, maybe just to give some context, because we, we, we were able to move past Jaws and Jurassic Park pretty quickly. Everyone's fairly aware of what those movies are and what they're about. But the BFG is about a London orphan who um, is aware of a presence that comes by at night and that she knows she shouldn't stay awake to see it. But one night she does and catches a glimpse of this giant that is lurking in the alleys. He sees her see him and takes her back to his home and says, you're going to stay here for forever. And she doesn't want to do that. And she kind of starts to develop this relationship with this reclusive giant who's kind of a social pariah in his own circles. It's called Runt. He's much smaller than the other giants who are very cannibalistic and angry and violent. And he's not like that. He's he's an arbiter of dreams, actually, just to throw another layer into this movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> so he's, he's arbiting dreams. He's being bullied by the giants. He's trying to watch out for this little girl, but the little girl wants justice for the giants. That's kind of where the, the drama of the story takes place, is how she can level the playing field between the Runt and his clan. Um, is that fair enough? Yeah, that's a great summary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we've 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 kind of talked about the cast and crew of this. Let, let's just talk a little bit about something that I think is is maybe we'll move into some, you know, first impressions nostalgia here, starting with the BFG. Actually, um, okay. this is the first time I saw it. it. Was a couple nights ago. I was I was impressed because I thought this movie would totally blow. Yeah, <laughs> and it doesn't totally blow. It's actually like pretty good. You know, it's 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 functional and and not unenjoyable. I know that's faint praise, but I really thought that this would be terrible. And I don't think it's terrible. Um, I, I like <laughs> I like the little girl. The I BFG, that, not not terrible. terrible. <laughs> I, I thought that Mark Rylance yeah. was very good. Yeah, uh, I thought that he was doing the most ridiculous shit with the straightest face. <laughs> um, I love the other giants. I love Jermaine Clement as the bad guy. <laughs> uh yeah, it all worked for me um, pretty much generally. It was a good movie. I would not rush out to see it again. But at the end of the day, I didn't think I regretted my time. What, what, did, what did you guys think? Yeah, I, same thing. I watched it a few days ago with my kids. We all just sat down to watch it. The kids really enjoyed it. Um, they keep asking to watch it again. They keep saying no because we had to rent it on Amazon. Exactly. But... Yeah, so no kids, we're not going to watch that again. You guys are going to save up your allowance and then buy it yourself. <laughs> uh, it, it was it was not terrible. Uh, I'm not a huge fan. I thought I had I had some issues, which I'll get to. I think I'll get to later. Uh, but I I was I was like it was kind of refreshing too. Yeah, it, it felt like it felt like a classic Spielberg '90s movie almost like. It felt like a good family movie, except with lots of CGI everywhere. That was also pretty good. Again, we'll get to that more later. But, like, yeah, I, I had a good time with it. I, I'm not sure. This isn't even close to my favorite Spielberg, but I had a good time with it. Yeah, it's definitely, I think, the bottom tier of Spielberg. But it's the top of the bottom tier. Like, this is way better than Ready Player One, for example. Oh, I yeah. would readily watch this first. <laughs> but, yeah. But Dan, I, I know you actually have a little bit of nostalgia for the BFG. Uh, yeah, so I, I grew up with the Roald Dahl books. Um, I have very fond memories of my, my sisters and my mom reading all of his books to us. We had the whole collection. Um, so we read, among others, um, the BFG. And it was always one that I really liked. I, I thought, it like, when you're a kid and you hear about, you know, they're, like, farting is in the book, you're like, this is great. I love like all it's hilarious. farting. <laughs> oh yeah. How often does that happen? Never. Yeah. And like the, the, the silliness of how he speaks was always really fun to listen to. And my sisters were really good at reading books like that. Um, so I, I grew up with the books and loved it. And so when the movie was coming out, was it 2015? Yeah. When did this come out? 16. 2016. Mm -hmm. Um, my wife also grew up with the Roald Dahl books. And so we were like, why don't we just go see it? Like go see it in theaters. It might suck. It might be great. It might, you know, um, we both really liked, you know, fantastic Mr. Fox by Wes Anderson. Mm -hmm. um, so we were like, maybe another Roald Dahl, you know, 
live action movie. Maybe this be, is what we need in our lives. Yeah, like maybe <laughs> this is a thing. Maybe this will work. And it's Steven Spielberg, so like that's a pretty safe choice. So we went and saw it, um, and we came out definitely enjoying ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I do remember in my in my uh, mind's eye, I remember the CGI looking a lot better, mm-hmm. and I'm sure we'll talk about that later. But that that was something that that I was impressed at the time by was like how good everything looked, how good the, the, um, the giants looked. And yeah, the, the performance of, uh, of the little girl, Sophie is, is really great. It's very charming. And, um, it, it was just a fun time. And then I just watched it a couple days ago for the, the second time. And we did watch it with our kids. It's probably one of the scariest movies that we've allowed them to watch. Cause like, at one point I had three of my kids on my lap because <laughs> they like, you know, daddy's lap is like the safest place in the world. Um, so they, but it wasn't like they were, you know, terrified. They just needed a little bit of comfort. I mean, I um, mean, it's clear the giants are like trying to eat the little girl. These are like giant human looking things that are trying to eat a tiny girl. Yeah. Like it's pretty scary. A human being. Yeah. A human being. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was more upset and terrified by it than my kids were. Like, I don't think my kids fully grasped what was happening. Like, that's a monster. Of course monsters want to eat kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they but they liked it. And by the end, they were totally sold. And, you know, it ends very, you know, a happy ending. And they they loved it. So it's, um I don't know that it's a movie that we will bring back very often. Like, there's a lot of kind of gross stuff in it that... um yeah, but, but that, yeah. Anyways, so that's that's the, my nostalgia. The, that those snaz cucumbers is that what they're called? Oh, it's so gross. They're they're so nasty. needlessly disgusting. It's, they're yeah. <laughs> they're just always oozing. Yeah, they're they're te- they're tentacly and they constantly are just weeping viscous liquid. Yeah, ugh, everywhere. Awful. Who would eat that? Uh, uh, yeah, I would also eat human beings. Like, yeah, <laughs> way better than. Ugh. Yeah. I watched this movie the way God intended it on my phone. <laughs> um, and on the train, it was great. Um, I, it was good. I don't know. I found myself. So the problem with watching a movie on your phone yeah. is that you can't pick up your phone to look at other <laughs> You have to stare at your long, phone. <laughs> boring scenes. Um, Which this movie definitely has. Yeah, it did. Uh so, so, you know, I was, I was definitely pleasantly surprised. I didn't think that it was going to be very good. Um, and it was better than definitely better than that. Like uh, I expected it to be like a one and a half star movie, and I came out of it being like, this is a two and a half to three. Yeah, yeah. As far as oh, like, yeah. it, I would give it a solid three. Yeah, same yeah. here. I definitely like. Oh, cool. I, We're all literally same rating, same page. That's here. awesome. I would definitely like watch this with my kids, probably at some point. Um, when you're sick. Yeah, when we're just like, oh, I don't want to watch Star Wars again, or I don't want to. Like, here's an easy one that we can turn on. And, like, I think there's some good lessons in it or something. Yeah. Uh, there's definitely not bad ones. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It made me want to go back and read some Roald Dahl. So that was cool. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. All right. Um, so that's going to conclude our our first of... Wait. We have Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah. Awesome. We haven't oh, my done gosh, all so of sorry. our nostalgia, Vito. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I was looking at the time. Um... I, yeah, we might have to go a little bit faster for Jurassic Park and Jaws. I agree. Uh, uh, okay, Jurassic Park. Uh, I first saw this. I actually have a fun story to tell about this. Oh, I no. first saw this when I was seven years old. Nice. My dad said I was ready. I sat down to watch it. I, I had the shit scared out of me, and I loved every <laughs> second of it. I thought it was amazing. I thought it was incredible. My mom said that was a mistake. <laughs> we should not have shown him that movie. Uh, but I love this movie, and I, I had to cover my eyes during the uh, the Dennis Nedry death, oh. and also during mm. the lawyer getting shaken by the T Rex death. Oh yeah! But I could watch the rest mm. of it, um, and then Was very that quickly, your parents like shutting your eyes. My like, parents, yes. Okay, okay. And then very quickly, I just watched the whole thing by myself, yeah. and I loved it. And <laughs> I've loved this movie ever since. Every time I watch it, I am transported by the fear and the wonder. Uh, two very powerful things, emotions that are working. And I, I, I actually think this is this is one of the perfect films that Steven Spielberg has made. Um, this is, I think, in conversation in the top three of his best films. Um, this is something else. Mm. This is something special. And I don't think it's like has come by since. 
that that's my nostalgia for this. I think it's a perfect movie, and I don't think since 1993 we have seen a movie quite like this. Uh, wow. Yeah, I'll just say that my my nostalgia is pretty similar to yours, except like I was ten. But like I remember being sat down, being like, "You can watch this now." I'm like, yes, <laughs> I get to watch the scary dinosaur movie because I heard it was a scary dinosaur movie, and yeah, it freaked me out. It's incredibly terrifying. Um, and then, uh, like, also, I think I'll, I'll bring this up. Uh, last time, sorry, not last. Let me just say, for nostalgia for Terminator Two, I said that that was one of the movies back then that I learned that technology should not necessarily be progressed because it can progress to dangerous levels. That was one of the movies at the time, around the same time that I watched, and also Jurassic Park. These two movies combined taught me that very foundational lesson for me about what technology can and shouldn't do and that you should be aware of how fast you're progressing before you progress beyond your own capabilities. Um, So it was foundational for that in me. And uh, And then I also have a sort of funny story to say to tell you guys about uh the time i showed it to my wife who had never seen it before so i was like okay we have to watch jurassic park and then we showed it to her and she was like amazed she was hooked she's like i thought this was gonna be about like toy dinosaurs that came to life (laughs) (laughs) what (laughs) i was like where did you get the idea this is about cloning dinosaurs actual dinosaurs on screen and making a theme park out of it that's amazing that's not stupid toy dinosaurs that come to life you confuse this with small soldiers or something i don't know (laughs) anyway it's a great movie i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) i do love small soldiers too um but yeah that's uh that's my nostalgia for uh, Jurassic Park. How about you, Dan? Yeah, it, my nostalgia rhymes with both of yours. I grew up with this. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna say maybe eight or nine that I first saw this. Um, it was just a movie. It, it was definitely the scariest movie that I was allowed to see that young, and it scared the bejesus out of me. <laughs> I I had two fears as a kid, like age five to fifteen. My two fears in life were quicksand and dinosaurs. (laughs) And I still, I mean, it was like a fear love with the dinosaurs though. Like I, I, you know, I absolutely love this movie. We grew up um, watching everyone that came out after it with, you know, the lost world. And the third one, it was for whatever reason, these were movies that my parents were okay with us watching despite the horrific stuff in it. Um, so for me, this cemented very early on my love of this, the mixture of horror into movies um, and, and definitely my general love of movies. This, this is like, this fascinated me. I could not believe what I was watching and what I was feeling throughout the entire movie, the roller coaster of emotions, um, everything in it. I just, for me, this is, you know, this is like my one of my core memories um, yeah. from in, Inside Out. Like watching this movie is a core memory for me, and uh, I, I yeah, I just love it. I, I I same. I remember the couch I was sitting on. I remember the TV we watched it on. I remember the facial mm-hmm. expressions of my parents. Like I remember all of it. Do, do, do you, Mike? I actually didn't watch this one until I was an adult. Um, I watched it probably ten years ago in college. Um, Somehow we. It's uh, crazy you saw the thing before Jurassic Park. Yeah, I know. That's right? crazy. It's not weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, we missed it. Uh, I I don't know why. Um, my mom wasn't like really interested in dinosaurs, I guess. Mm-hmm. And typical mom. Just squiggly things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just squiggly things. Um, but I so I don't have those core memories, and it wasn't something that like it wasn't one of the things that blew my mind as a kid. Um, but. Like, it was, it's great. Like, it's a great, incredible movie. Um, and I I have a lot of love for it, even though I don't have the deep nostalgia uh, that you guys do. I'm glad you have some, though. That's yeah. nice. Yeah. Um, awesome. So then moving over to our final one. Uh, Jaws. Jaws. I have almost no nostalgia for this movie. I really? saw it in college. Huh. Uh, alone. Uh, this was another one of those situations where uh, hungover Vita was watching a movie. Um, <laughs> uh, and my takeaway was, yeah, it was good. 
I still think it's good. I think it's, but in a different way. Like when I say it's good, so Jurassic Park hits my emotions. Jurassic Park hits multiple emotions across the broad spectrum of my inner life. Jaws hits one, but it hits it really well. And when I watch Jaws, I say, this is a technically perfect movie. There's nothing I would change about this, really, beyond a few cosmetic issues, which we'll get to later. But I like this movie from top to bottom. And that's all. I don't I don't feel fear to this movie. I don't feel excitement, really. Like, I like it. I enjoy the ride. But I'm not feeling extremity of emotion like I do with, with Jurassic Park. So I like this movie a ton. But I got to say, even though I would say like five stars, this is a perfect movie. I wouldn't say I love this movie. There's mm. not enough emotion in it for me to, to, to grab onto. And I, and I saw it too late. That, that, that's, that's where I come from. Yeah, it's like huh. me with Jurassic Park. Fair enough. It's the reverse. I, I was, oh, I was that's not, weird. Yeah. I, I was not seven when I saw Jurassic Park, but I was like, I don't know, 14, 15, whatever. Young, young enough. When I saw Jaws. Right. Um, yeah, old enough to like stomach the various limbs that fall <laughs> off of people, but um, also young enough to be like, whoa, what's going on here? Right. But I remember like I watched it with um, with the uh, father of, of my close friends uh, that we watched a lot of a lot of these like the good... no country family. What was that no country? family? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, and I loved it, man. I I feel like it's two movies almost. There's like the first part, which is sort of small town politics. And the second part is like old man in the sea, uh, except with like three guys, you know, on the sea. old men, mm-hmm. old men in the sea, old men in the sea uh, that need a bigger boat. I, I remember being like, <laughs> what is this movie? Like what, like what is happening right now? This is incredible. I remember afterwards, like talking with him about it and talking about like the ways that, um, I, I don't know how it's setting up each of these characters is sort of uh in sort of a struggle amongst each other which i thought was just Mm -hmm. like that was so cool that was so it blew my mind uh as as we see it um and and like as we were talking about it and it was amazing too going to the beach afterwards with like our sisters (laughs) 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 and just being like done and they'd freak out and run out of the water (laughs) it was great so that's my nostalgia for this movie uh, it was like terrifying and also like it seemed to have some really deep, um, I don't know, like meaning uh, going on and like cool, like storytelling. Yeah. 111 men went into the water, 36 men walked out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm, that is, a, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. Later. So good. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. What about, I, what about you, Jesse? It, it's almost the same as Jurassic Park. It was like the same, like my parents were like, all right. You are now old enough to see Jaws. Jaws had been watched by my older siblings and my and my dad for like years. And that was a movie I was not allowed to touch because it was about the scary monster shark that would come out and eat everybody. And that terrified my parents when they saw it in theaters. So it was like legendary to them. They hyped this movie up like none other. At like we weren't allowed to go that far into the beach, <laughs> into the ocean when my mother was around because she said there are sharks out there. She still <laughs> says that. <laughs> like th- this movie has traumatized my mother for years. Oh, She's not wrong, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it's traumatized a lot of people in their generation. That's just that's what this movie meant to them, and that was kind of passed on to me a little bit. So when I saw this, it was, it, it was. It was amazing. It was it was the fulfillment of what my parents had been saying this was. It's this terrifying shark and it's out to get you and you don't know where it is. And could come up under the water at any second and it might grab you. Um yeah, so that that feeling of like being of terror and being hunted by something that actually exists out there, something that's real. Like that shark isn't even that big according to great white statistics in all reality. It's like a medium-sized great white shark. And that that's insane. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I, I've always I've always loved this movie. It's always one of those threshold movies that I had to reach. And when I got to watch it with my dad, that was an epic moment. Nice. That's awesome. That's rad. Yeah. Uh, for me, it, I have probably the least nostalgia for this. I mean, we grew up you know, like being aware of Jaws. We, you know, we'd scare each other in the pool, you know, humming the music. We 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 knew all the the culture around it. Mm-hmm. Um, I even have I had seen many of the scenes 
through, you know, through my lifetime, just on TVs or on in, in videos. Um, but I had not seen this movie start to finish until four or five days ago uh, when my wife oh, and wow. I sat down to watch it. So this was a first time full ingesting of this movie. And um, I, I definitely, I definitely think that I rhyme more with Vito where I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed by it. I, there were scenes that, and we'll get into this later, but there were scenes in it that I was just like, that was incredible. I mm-hmm. love that. That's unreal that this, like, that this t- happened in the seventies, that a director mm-hmm. so early on in his career did this yeah. or, you know, had this scene. It's like, it's phenomenal. And I, I was, I was very, um, I would say like, I, I was very worried because a lot of what I had heard before was how dumb the shark looked. Everyone's like, oh, it looks so fake. Oh, you can see the, the, the you know, the, the swimmers behind it, pushing it. And they described it like it was going to be hokey, like a stop motion claymation, like really dumb looking shark. And, and I didn't think it looked that bad, actually. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. that was, you gotta be like, looking my wife and for I that both stuff. Yeah. You gotta be like, it's believable trying enough. to poke holes. In I, I, yeah. I liked it. I liked the, the fin. I liked yeah. it when Bruce came up. I liked when he's eating Quint. Like, yeah, he was good. Yeah. He, great. He was He did a great job. Yeah. eating. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> I love when it, you know what? We're going to talk about this later. Um, <laughs> yeah. But anyways, that that's, so that's my nostalgia is five days ago. I watched Jaws and I, I liked it a lot. I think, will I, yeah, we'll talk about it later with showing it to kids, but um, I want this to be a part of my life from now on. Sure. Yeah. I, I also forgot to mention this, this plays another part of my life, like way older. Uh, back when I'm working nights, I, I was like all alone. I didn't know what to do. And Vito recommended some movie podcasts, one called The Rewatchables specifically. And I just listened to Jaws and a few others. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. I've been watching movies in a while. Maybe I should give it a try. So I watched Jaws. And I just had such a fun time with it and realized, like, movies are really enjoyable. You know, like, it can take you back with nostalgia. And also, this movie was just as good as I remembered it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that got me back into watching movies again. Awesome. Good job, Jaws. Thank you, Bill Simmons. <laughs> Thank you, Jaws. <laughs> <laughs>